John McAfee, Brock Pierce, Charlie Lee. Those are all names. Cindy, Roberto, Fred, those are also names. Now, we don't know who those last three are, but the first three have been on this show. However, there's one name we've been in hot pursuit of for two and a half years, and it turns out he's the most requested name from the citizens of Bad Cryptopia. That person is Vitalik Buterin, the founder of Ethereum. One of the most influential people in blockchain, we had the pleasure of meeting Vitalik in Denver while attending the ETH Denver conference, and he was gracious enough to sit down with us for a 30-minute conversation. We were joined by Adam Barlam, developer of the BravoCoin app, because we wanted representation by someone who spoke Vitalik's language. Not da, Russian. Da, oh, <laughs> no, no, not, not that language, oh, Travis. Uh, the language of the developer, geek. And at this very same event, we had the pleasure of discovering a new social media app that both Travis and I are enjoying very much. It's called Peepo, and you'll meet Jason Goldberg, one of the founders. So get ready for an epic episode with one of the biggest names in crypto, Vitalik Buterin, on this episode number 379 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one, two, ignition. Who's bad? Hello, friends from around the world, greeting you from all of the countries on the map that listen to the show. This is the Bad Crypto Podcast. My name is Joel Com. And I am a Travis Wright. And can you believe that we are listened to in over 190 countries? Isn't that, does that seem weird? I don't believe it. You know what? It says so in the analytics, but that's, that's, that's all fine and dandy. You can be a skeptic if you like, Mr. Joel Kahn. That could be fake news. Could be. It's pretty exciting, though. We appreciate all of you listening, and we have got a fan fantastic show for you today you're not going to want to miss a beat of this i mean we got vitalik we got jason from people we're building a community on people uh, it's going to be absolutely loaded gang and you're going to want to make sure you bookmark and share this episode with others but let's give shout outs to our sponsors for this episode that make it all possible we're very involved with both of these the first one is called so me social s-o-m-e-e it's a blockchain-based social media platform that's designed for privacy and user control and content monetization meaning you're getting paid for your content and for your curation efforts twitter don't do that instagram don't do that Facebook don't do that. Those homies, they don't play that way. Ad revenue sharing and a social dashboard that helps streamline your posting to all the major social platforms from one platform. Check it out. Visit so me, S-O-M-E-E dot social today. Get signed up. Follow me at Joel Com and at T are you at Travis Wright or at TW? I am at uh I think I'm at Travis Wright over there. Okay, find him. Do I it. think that's so confusing. Sometimes I'm just TW. Sometimes I'm just know. a letter T, letter W. Sounds like you're having an identity crisis. No, not at least so. But it's just like sometimes when you get the first on one of these platforms, you can be like, oh, I could be Travis, right? Like I could have literally been letter T, letter W on Twitter, but I didn't think about it then. I could have been Travis Wright on Twitter too, but I didn't think of that. Uh, my grandpa always called me TW, so I like to always spell out TW. So also want to give it. Also want to give a shout out to MobiPay. Payments are going mobile. 
but the current transfer of money, very slow and expensive. And now we're finding out that money is even dirty. It's dirty fiat that has germs on it. So we need to get a mobile solution quickly, preferably one with blockchain technologies that would help speed things up. That's what MobyPay does. Has a consumer wallet, which does some really cool things, cash back, banking with your debit card, peer-to-peer payments. There's a MobyX exchange that's going to be rolled out, MobyPay. Check all that out. Go to MobyPay.io, M-O-B-I-E-P-A-Y.io, and get yourself $10 worth of their MBX tokens. Go do that now because I think that might be going away. So go get it. Yeah. The app's coming soon and a website design is coming soon. And why wouldn't you take free cryptos? We appreciate our sponsors. We appreciate you. And we really know that you are going to appreciate this interview with the one and only Vitalik Buterin. And finally, at long last, after many kidnapping attempts, we finally have the one and only Vitalik Buterin here on the sofa with us at ETH Denver. Actually, you came willingly. Mm-hmm. I am here fully voluntarily. Yeah, there's nobody said like, uh, I'll give you one ETH and you'll give me back 10. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're, we're, we're glad that you're here. And of course, this event here, ETH Denver, uh, with the Pega Yuna Mega Buffacorn thing, you being here, how does that feel when you see what's come of your beloved Ethereum. Uh, it's nice, and I'm actually very happy to see the uh, the progress that Ethereum platform has made, the progress that the Ethereum community has made, and, and all of these things over the last five years. And it definitely feels like it has been a long journey, um, but you know, I'm very satisfied with uh, the kinds of applications that are coming out, the kinds of things that people are just thinking about and trying to do, um, just projects that have um, that have already been done on you know, these things so um, it's you know and it feels like the uh, ethereum ecosystem has kind of turned into this kind of self-sustaining and great thing yeah it's really interesting i mean one thing that, that, that excites me about this event is how gamified mm. it is right i've never seen a conference i don't know if there's ever been a conference as gamified as this one mm. using cryptos and like connecting with people and you gain xp and like mm-hmm. what, what are some of your thoughts on how they're they're using the technology to create this fun environment for people yeah and the ethereum culture is uh, definitely and have always been a fun loving one and uh, dog fooding is great and it's a uh, good not just kind of thinking about the tools that we're building in theory but try to actually use them in practice it's um Great to see all all of the experiments. I mean, good to see people having fun. Good to see him, a, a lot of different things being tried. Yeah, you know, both Travis and I come from a, a marketing technologist and and uh, social media and marketing background. Long oh. before we were podcasting. Is that okay? Yeah, you're, you're like oh, oh, marketers. Mm-hmm. And you know, for me, as I look at Ethereum, we've interviewed so many projects, especially during ICO season, that mm-hmm. were you know ERC twenty, and some of them legit, some of them turned out to be not so legit, some of them legit but couldn't stay you know alive during mm-hmm. the downturn. But to to me, I feel like NFTs mm-hmm. are really the killer app hmm. for Ethereum, especially hmm. when we see gaming. Mm-hmm. entering that space so i'm yep. just curious what are your your thoughts on uh, erc 721s and 1155s yeah and erc 721s and gaming definitely seem like a use case a lot of people are excited about it definitely seems like uh, a lot of people are excited about this idea of creating kind of gaming world uh, 
uh, worlds that are kind of connected to each other in some way instead of uh, just being independent silos. Did you envision that when when you I did not you didn't see I mean, which, of course, is the great thing about the community, right? They're Mm going to come up with the applications. Yep, exactly. And as seeing applications come up, people come up with uh, that I never even imagined is definitely one of the best things about Ethereum. Yeah, I mean, I have this. Of course, I'm not the only one. They have this vision of creating a sword that's in one game, but then being able to sell it for use in another. Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly gonna have to be a lot of weird cooperation for that yeah yeah i know i mean it'll be weird to have uh, spaceships in world of warcraft you know but mm. well there was argus right yeah. i don't know if you play the game but they did in outland they did kind of go to space in world mm, of warcraft yeah that's true yeah mm. you know one thing that I, that I think is interesting so i'm a big sports fan right i live in kansas mm-hmm. city and tickets now don't really exist Tickets are you get a, you get you get a scan a QR code or you get to show them your phone, but you don't get tickets anymore. And that's mm-hmm. one thing that I like about NFTs is the fact that I was somewhere. Like yeah. so, one thing that was invented last year here at ETH Denver was the POAP Proof mm-hmm. of Attendance Protocol. Patricio, mm-hmm. Patricio. yeah, Patricio, I remember that was a great, great dude. Yeah. And and we've been working with him on, on on creating NFTs around our podcast. So what we'll do is every interesting podcast interview that we have, and we'll pick select ones. We'll do a special NFT. For that particular one, where we're working with Patricio to create this proof of listening. Mm-hmm. So the the fact is, like I was here, I was at this wild card game, I was at this game, and and there's no way to prove that anymore. I, I got a printout off of my printer mm-hmm. that I printed and took it in there and showed it to like it's. So it's like to me, it's one of those things like it, it's it's a proof you were somewhere. It's proof that you've done something. It's sort of an interesting sort of passport is a kind of a thing that, that with, with NFTs. What are what are some of the maybe long term things that you could see you know those non fungible tokens doing maybe aside from some of the digital collectible stuff? Yeah, I mean using them as conference tickets is definitely great. Um, using them as generally kind of proof that you did things or that things happened. I mean, there's, I know even a lot of projects that are trying to kind of use that as an element to like reward people who are like planting trees or doing things to solve climate change. Is one example. Yeah, and in general, there's a lot of use cases for this kind of thing. In fact, there was one project that we had on the show early on, Event Chain, that was an ERC-20. Ashton Addison came up with that, and they, they've survived, you know, the, the great crypto winter, and they're putting tickets for events on blockchain, right, to avoid fraudulent mm-hmm. tickets. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really cool. Yeah, definitely interesting stuff going on there. I want to actually talk about this. We met your dad last night, Dimitri, yeah. and he, is, he looks so young. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, I I was just curious. When He's a did, Russian thing. It, I, it was interesting to me. I was expecting, like, an older gray dude. Like, oh, it's Vitalik's dad. Like, wait a second. He's super young, too. He looks younger than you. Yeah. So, like, how was it having a dad who's, like, a super coding guy to sort of take you in? Because I have a young dude myself. My kid's 18. It's like, what were some of the things that your dad instilled in you and helped spark your curiosity about development at an early age? I mean, he's definitely been very supportive the whole time to uh, of me attempting to learn science and learn programming. Like he bought me some uh, books that were about learning how to code when I was ten, and I got really into it. He kind of signed me up to some uh, courses on the weekends where I would have learned how to program video games, mm. and you know, that that was definitely really helpful to me. Like when I was much younger, I definitely did a lot of like 
programming video games for myself to play and then when i got bored of them i program another one mm. did you I, you know you're uh, just a couple years younger than my son i remember when he was little we bought him cds that they were games for kids but they were made to teach you coding mm-hmm. did you like did you have all those and go through those and you're like oh I this is basic stuff i don't think i went through those actually no like i no i was more just like programming games for myself to play you, you were just on it so yeah. uh, are you a video gamer and I was before. I don't really have time for it now. Right. Because you're what are you doing then? You know, are you focusing on the next generation of Ethereum or are you leading the team on that? That's part of it as kind of research and kind of like trying to figure kind of figure out kind of like what things need to be done and what things need to kind of have more people working on them. Also, just kind of continually going around and learning and understanding the community and things that people are building with blockchains um, and Ethereum particularly. And thinking about more kind of big picture things about what the Ethereum foundation and Ethereum ecosystem should focus on. Is there a sense of what 2.0 should really look like? Because I know this is kind of like, when's this happening? Yeah, I and mean, 2.0 is like technically almost fully specified at this point. And uh, we figured out what proof of stake is. We figured out what sharding is. We figured out how to implement it. It's um, mostly just like a tiny details and implementation that's left. Yeah, so the question is when? When, yeah. So, I mean, it's easier to predict the near future than the further future. And um, in the near future, the um, 2.0 is um, very close to having multi-client testnets. Um, it's going through this optimization phase. It's going through this opt- uh, auditing phase. A lot of bugs are being uh, in, uh, fixed. Um, a lot of... Uh, and if efficiency issues are being fixed, and it's looking like I don't know launch uh, in the in the summer for at least the proof of stake part is very likely, and then sharding is the next big thing that's going to come after proof of stake. And sharding is technically almost specified, but it's um, still needs to be developed, of course. And like people are starting to do this, but I just sharded myself. Uh-oh. Watch oh, oh God! Yeah. Please don't do that joke. <laughs> Oh no, he's making a oh, face palm. He got a mic palm. It's it's been done like, so many times, but I can't help it. This is this is what the show is all about. We actually have Adam Barlin with us, who is the uh, the head of Bravo Coin. Bravo. He's, he's tuning in here, listening here. Yeah, he doesn't he, have a mic. And he's he a developer. Questions. He doesn't have a mic. Matter of fact, here, uh, why don't you go ahead and ask him a question? Because that was a good one you have. Sure. Uh, so, Vitalik, uh, I'm curious about the transitionary phase uh, going over from proof of stake to proof of work. Um, do you plan on having like a hybrid model where there's still going to be uh, the network still going to be operating on proof of stake and proof of work, um, or is it going to be strictly moving over to proof of stake only? Mm. So recently, we've actually been moving in the direction of uh, getting a move to pure proof of stake uh, and have accomplished more quickly. So our general approach, right, is that we start off this new proof of stake chain and it starts off just doing nothing and kind of running independently and surviving. And then we add sharding. And then once it proves itself, there would be this kind of merger where the state of the proof of work chain, so meaning like all the account balances, all the contract code, all of the contract storage and all of that stuff, like would basically just be moved all at once into the proof of stake chain and then from there on it would be maintained by the proof of stake sharded chain and the proof of work chain would just kind of fall away and uh, no one would uh, build on it anymore since you're going to be moving to proof of stake um, there's a lot of people a lot of critics who say that proof of stake is more centralized as a result Mm -hmm. Um, what's your uh, response to that and do you think there's going to be an issue where potentially people would move over maybe to like ethereum classic or stay on the original chain because it's proof of work so I actually think uh, proof of work is more centralized. Uh, so a couple of reasons for this, right? One is that 
with proof of stake, you can participate if you have any amount of money. You know, you have your 32 ETH, you spin up your node and you run it on your laptop and you're there. Whereas with proof of work, you need to have like millions of dollars of capital investment. And then you also have less censorship resistance because like there's no way that governments don't know where all the mining farms are just because they require so much space and like so much electricity. And so that's one thing. Like I think proof of stake actually is more egalitarian in terms of people's ability to participate. But also I think that in the event that it does centralize, proof of stake has better opportunities for getting out of 51% attacks uh, than proof of work does. Yeah. And, uh, like in the case of proof of work, you know, like if someone gets more than half of all the hardware, like you can't fork them off. Like they have the ASICs and you're stuck with them and they can keep whacking your chain forever. Whereas with proof of stake, you can make a kind of fork and you can kind of kick them out and delete their deposits. And so a lot more opportunities for recovery. Do you consider that uh, centralization then, if you can kick them out? Um, no, because we've actually come up with a bunch of ways to make the kicking out part automated. Very interesting. I, I want to ask you about this on, on Blocktivity. So I'm looking at Blocktivity, and I'm looking at some of the amount of transactions that mm -hmm. some of the other blockchains are doing. So, for example, EOS today, or in the last 24 hours, has done over 50 million transactions on the on the it looks like mm -hmm. and then on their their best day ever was 74 million so they're they're kind of being able to scale what what how many transactions uh, per second are is ethereum 2.0 going to be able to do because i know how you know crypto kitties clogged the network that one time and everybody was like uh oh should we build on ethereum or not yeah. how does the new ethereum how is that going to work as far as transactions and amount of transactions and will it still get clogged up like it had been before mm -hmm. So I could give like concrete numbers. So just to kind of have a, the same scale to focus, like what we could focus on simple payments, right? So simple payments, the current Ethereum ch uh, chain does 36 transactions a second. And if you check on Etherscan in reality, it gets around the 10, sometimes going up to 15, but that's because uh, people often do things on Ethereum that are much more complex than simple payments. Mm -hmm. So 36 um, on the current chain. If you do um, a roll-up, so uh, um, optimistic roll-up or ZK roll-up, like one of those two, uh, these uh, kind of layer 1.5 scaling things that are becoming hot recently, it goes up to 2,500. Um, if you do just sharding, it goes up to maybe 2,000 to 10,000. And if you do a roll-up on top of sharding, it goes up to 100,000 to a million. Per second? Yes. Wow. That's super fast. That's yeah. like Visa. You could do Visa on, right. on mm -hmm. Ethereum at that point. Yeah. Uh, you know, you mentioned CryptoKitty, so I want to allude to that. That thing mm. just kind of hit the scene. I don't know if you knew that was coming or what you thought it would do, but, man, it just clogged the chain with cat poop, right? What did oh, you get yeah. that moment where you're like, oh, man. No, oh, definitely. No, it was, uh, the whole 2017 bubble was definitely a big kind of demand shock that we were not ready for. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So you see a lot of projects and without endorsing anything, what have you seen lately that makes you go, oh, in, in on Ethereum that was like, oh, I never would have thought of it. That's super cool. A lot of things. Um, and a lot of a lot of the decentralized finance stuff is like getting just really interesting and kind of powerful in terms of just the convenience that it offers for kind of moving between all of these uh, different assets. A lot of non-financial applications, I mean, even just things like using the blockchain to store records of like what keys have been revoked. Like, and it sounds boring, but it lets you have things like university certificates on the blockchain, which a, a bunch of voices in Singapore are actually doing, for example. Yeah, I think we um, covered that recently. I think that's a great application. I don't think it's boring at all. It's, mm -hmm. It makes perfect yeah, sense. Yeah, you know, the great applications are often the boring ones. Right.
Well, this is interesting you mentioned DeFi because a story just popped up. Yeah. Mm. First of all, could, for some of our listeners maybe maybe don't even understand DeFi, could mm. you maybe explain DeFi for them who are because we got some novices that listen, we got some advanced people, but we got all mixes on our on our show. In DeFi stands for decentralized finance, so it basically just means like financial applications that are decentralized and kind of not dependent on a single trusted party that are running on the blockchain. Mm -hmm. um, so the big ones include, so one of them is, is uh, stable coins. So kind of Maker and Dai is the first example of that. Mm -hmm. And there might be others coming soon. Decentralized exchange. Um, so things like Uniswap, but also some of the others like Kyber and Banker and now like Loopring and all of the um, Stark, StarkX and all of these other ones. Synthetics, so kind of generally having assets that are kind of pegs to some index. I think those are probably the big kind of decentralized financing things that are available right now. But like generally, the idea that like you you are able to do all of the things that you would do within the existing financial kind of ecosystem, but within the crypto ecosystem, and it's just kind of so much more efficient and faster. How how do we how do we make that that the DeFi more secure? Because we noticed we were he he had brought up uh, this information here today that the uh, the protocol BZX had been had been hacked today. Mm. Were you were you aware of that there was a vulnerability? I think in some con in a smart contract. Mm -hmm. You can run and read through that. Yeah, Ooh. I mean he, he doesn't know the details yet. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. springing it on him. But no, no, that's uh, that's fair. And this is definitely the sort of, the sort of thing that has happened before and will happen again. I mean, you know, the DAO was being the most famous example. Mm -hmm. And I have publicly spoken out against uh, kind of overly trusting DeFi's that aren't reliable. Like I remember there was about a year ago when people were getting really excited about how Compound has 11% interest rates and basically saying that like, look, like grandmas should move their money into Compound because it's so much better. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, dude, if you can earn 11% inside of DeFi, but 1% in the real world, like... There's a reason. There's a reason why that 10% has not yet been arbitraged into a, um, into an existence, right? And so that 10% represents like risk that the system could break, and like you don't want to push people into systems that have a risk of breaking and pretend that those systems are fully reliable and uh, tr and trustless. So I definitely encourage being careful with kind of exotic financial things decentralized or otherwise if it's too and, good to be true it sounds too good to be true well like uh, celsius yeah. is built on uh an erc20 and you know they're that's what they're doing right Wait, Brain, celsius like the temperature scale like the tokens uh, oh god they made a token okay uh, alex mashinsky's uh project uh, okay and uh that's where the banks when they do their arbitrage and they're making all that money on loaning loaning money out and all the basically mm. doing sending that into the crypto side which is not a bad idea but if it's no, not no. secure right yeah exactly like and i definitely kind of caution against people kind of over optimizing with DeFi's. like the main way in which DeFi's should be competing with each other is not on increasing the interest rates that they offer but on decreasing the chance that they break Mm -hmm. mm. Not your keys, not mm. your crypto. No. Uh, I want to reference off of Ethereum here a story that we covered on last week's news. You were quoted talking about uh, Bitcoin Cash. Uh, yes. Bitcoin Cash is not Bitcoin. I I'm curious, you know, where mm. as an impartial third party, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're not Satoshi Nakamoto. No. You're not Roger Veer or anybody on the, the mm -hmm. Bitcoin.com team. Mm -hmm. You know, why do you feel like... Mm. I don't just give an overview of your whole thoughts yeah. on the whole debacle. I mean, so like first of all, um, back when the Bitcoin block size debate was happening, I was definitely kind of on the big blocker side, and kind of my general view is that of uh, kind of 
how to set block sizes, that there's this trade-off between kind of cost of reading to, uh, from a blockchain and cost of writing to a blockchain. And if block sizes go up, then transaction fees go down, so the cost of writing goes down, but then the cost of reading goes up because you need more to have a full node. And then if blocks are too small, then anyone can read it, but it's real, really hard to write to it because transaction fees are high. And I basically felt like, um, you know, the cost of a single transaction was reaching like more than the cost of operating a full node for an entire year. And so it was very clearly kind of just over biased toward the kind of making it easy to read side. And I had this opinion. And so I felt like kind of Bitcoin Cash was kind of, quote, you know, right on the technicals. And I also had kind of moral issues with things like the censorship that was happening on the Bitcoin side and these other things. But then over time, I mean, there were things with the Bitcoin Cash side that kind of disappointed me. Like one of them was uh, the community just uh, getting attracted, well, getting attracted to Craig Wright and kind of believing all of all of those crazy things. Um, you mean another he's was, not Satoshi? Yeah, so, I mean, is that what you're saying? Nah, this is breaking news. Mm. Um, the other thing was um, also just getting like so really really worked up on like criticizing bitcoin rather than on promo uh, promoting their own thing and like my their mentality was just kind of they keep on and like recycling these arguments from like what happened three years ago and even if i think they have a valid point i think um that like you know you're not going to attract a new community by kind of just telling people how evil some other team they've never heard of is and I kept telling them this, and then they've been kind of disappointed in in a, in a lot of ways. Um, the the most recent thing, the uh, the Jiang Zhuar's uh, proposal to uh, have twelve point five percent of the uh, mining reward go into a uh, quote Hong Kong corporation that would pay for development. I thought it was interesting. Um, interesting because. Like, first of all, it signals open-mindedness, right? It signals the fact that, like, these people are willing to kind of go beyond, you know, immutableist dogma and kind of think about different approaches of uh, funding and public goods. And particularly, they kind of, they realize the argument for why voluntary donations are insufficient for funding public goods. It's like Bitcoin Cash people are historically kind of very anarcho-capitalist, and a lot of those people, like, they do have this kind of misconception that... If something is not paid for by voluntary donations, that by itself automatically means that it's not worth that, that it's not worth existing. And there's kind of economic kind of tragedy of the commons arguments why, why that's not true. And so I was ha very happy that they kind of understood this. And but at the same time, like I had my deep concerns with the governance and how it was this kind of very opaque corporation. And the debate was really interesting to watch. And it was interesting to kind of see a different arguments and see how the different arguments kind of reveal the different underlying opinions about kind of what actually is the the core philosophy of kind of how governance is supposed to work. Like, is it um, supposed to? Is it about uh, issuance being incredibly neutral? Is it about um, like the miners actually control the thing, and so they have the, the kind of the collective right to direct the revenue wherever they want? Is it something else? And then eventually, uh, Juar made this uh, kind of second proposal where he basically said, "Oh, we're gonna t like look at governance more seriously. We're gonna start to start kind of start the thing with donated money, run it for a bit, and only if people are happy with it, we'll start um, actually uh, put more and uh, do a soft fork to put more money into that." So, I don't know. My own response was kind of a mixture of uh, kind of being happy that they were taking issues seriously and also being unhappy about just kind of 
their ideology around governance. But in general, kind of the big picture thing is that this feels like the first time that Bitcoin Cash people are talking more about Bitcoin Cash than they are about Bitcoin. And referencing it as Bitcoin. that That's always been our beef, right? Yeah. I'm like, hey, there's room for all kinds of creativity and fork that thing. Mm-hmm. Is, I mean, Travis is going to fork mm-hmm. Ethereum Cash, right? That isn't that, yeah. Ethereum isn't Cash that, Gold. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's the branding that's mm-hmm. confusing in the marketplace. Yeah, yeah. And it's a, I mean, like you could argue that kind of thinking of Bitcoin Cash as a flavor of Bitcoin is like kind of okay. You know, they started from the same thing. It's kind of like, you know, you have like, you know, the Republic of Korea, the Democratic People's Republic of Korea, you know, share a name, reflect a common history. Um, but like the way that it's marketed in places like Bitcoin.com, it definitely something like, like veers into misleading territory. And then like, Roger veers. Yeah. Oh, oh Roger. Um, yeah. And then Bitcoin Satoshi's vision just like does that like 10 times more extreme. And that's like extremely terrible and scammy and that in other ways, too. I want to I want to ask you something here about the future. Here we are. We're in Fe- we're February fifteenth timestamp right now at noon, uh, Mountain Time, and we know that the the Bitcoin halving is happening in less than ninety days or whatever. Eighty four, I think. Eighty four days, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of different stuff. And there's there's we were talking about. We had had a dude on the other day, Cedric mm-hmm. Dahl. He was talking about unstoppable web happening and mm-hmm. Filecoin and some of these other things that are launching with Handshake and the the wet this trying to uh, get to the point where we're not having as much censorship mm-hmm. on the web. Because right now, I don't think no. a lot of the technology pioneers thought we were going to get to the point where big tech was going to start censoring us like they were. Mm-hmm. How, maybe view into the future a little bit, what is 2020 like? And maybe how can Ethereum help with censorship in the world? Is, mm-hmm. is there going to be a privacy component to this in the future or some ways to, to help make the world better as far as no longer censoring the people? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, privacy is definitely something that we've been caring about more and more. I mean, the network as a thing that is censorship resistant and that runs is something that you know it's get it's been established. I mean, it'll have to be kind of proven again. I think one proof of stake comes and like if the blockchain networks start coming under a kind of much more serious attack at some points in the future, which historically they haven't really been, but you know they might. And then on the privacy side, like that's been kind of the biggest challenge, right? That all of your activity, no matter what you do, is just visible, and like pretty much anyone can kind of go and say, like, you go scrape hey, yeah, addresses and yeah, it's like- yeah, and they can go say, like, hey, you, like, why, like, why are you selling your ETH at this time, or like, why are you, why are you having transactions with this person or these other things, and that's something that people are kind of realizing over time and we have privacy solutions coming out. Like there was Tornado Cash, which I think did a, a really good job of, kind of being usable. There's Aztec that's coming out. There's um, um, some other things like there was an ETH research post yesterday about this thing called Zero Pool. So it's uh, privacy definitely feels like it's kind of improving over time and kind of uh, getting to the point where kind of at least transactions on the scale that regular people would do kind of can't be all linked to each other that easily. I want you to know I'm wearing our bad crypto shirt uh, in honor of you today. Oh, okay. uh, Satoshi and Vitalik and Charlie and Travis and Joel, because <laughs> we too have created hmm. our own cryptocurrency hmm. uh, aptly titled bad coin, only mineable on bad computers. Oh, interesting. So it's a reverse algorithm type thing. That if you try to use an ASIC farm on it, you're going to lose. But if you mm-hmm. pull up your old PC, mm-hmm. you know, your Pentium, as long as you get the connection to the mining software, you're going to win. Mm. You know, so we're, we're for the little guy. Oh, cool. 
Okay. He's just saying that to be nice. Now, I would ask you this. What was your strategy? Because, uh, you know, we were talking, again, to that Cedric guy, and he said that Handshake basically airdropped a whole bunch of tokens to the developers, right, as a way to get the developer community to activate on that project. What were some of the key things that you did early on? You developed, you developed Ethereum, but how did you get the developer community? How did you start seeding that in the beginning to really get this rolling thunder that we have now? I, mean, I feel like we just kind of published it and people just kind of themselves came at the time like it definitely felt like there were a lot of people just like right then and there that wanted that sort of thing to exist mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if you build it they will come what does it feel like to get in on ethereum at zero <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well mm -hmm. we appreciate you coming on here i think adam did you have one more question you want to hear let me hand you the mic there and go ahead adam so going back to the the future, um, you know, so right now, you know, we're building these decentralized networks, these decentralized platforms, but they're sitting on top of centralized systems. They're sitting on top of, you know, ICANN domains and, 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 and centralized DNS that's run by root DNS servers. Um, so what, what's your thoughts on what we need to do to change that so that the underlying infrastructure, uh, such as DNS and ICANN domains and so on and so forth, moves over to a decentralized system? Huh. And I just like start uh, continue building the alternatives and kind of continue letting them kind of grow stronger and kind of prove themselves within kind of their own context and then i'm sure they'll get more and more adoption over time it's one of the things that handshake handshake and filecoin they're kind of creating that unstoppable web creating a layer on top of before the dns mm -hmm. which i think yeah. is interesting i want to ask you this i'm a big fan of of sacred geometry okay right so you got a tattoo okay so, you know, that Metatron's cube, I'm, I'm not sure, but I was, I was looking at this. What's interesting is that a about Transformer? Metatron. Me Metatron's cube <laughs> is all of the plutonic solids are in this shape, right? In this oh, shape. fun. It's all of those shapes, uh, you know, the, the flower of life, that sacred geometry thing was etched in stones in 50 countries 10,000 years ago. They've, they've dated this stuff. It's, so it's, it's, it's pretty wild. So I, I wanted to know the thought process because uh, in... In Socrates' days in Plato, they would they would say that each one of those platonic solids corresponded to a different element. Like, for example, the tetrahedron, which is basically a pyramid, that was fire. Mm -hmm. And then the hexahedron, which is a cube, that was earth. And the octahedron, that is the two pyramids on top of each other, which is mm -hmm. e basically the Ethereum logo, yeah. the octahedron. But the dodecahedron is actually ether. Mm -hmm. So you use the wrong one. We need you to use the one that's the, pen, the Pentagon instead. Oh, you you the fork. I mean, do you want to make? Do you want to make a PR to make that be the logo? I think for so. Yeah. That needs no. to be Ethereum Cash. Okay. Okay. We're yep. good with that. Sure. I'll let you know. What did you and say the about solids? Was the, what, what was, what the, was the solid thing? Well, the platonic solids are basically every element in 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 the okay. element is is made of the periodic table of elements. Every element is one of those five shapes. I think when we're done here, I need to go make a platonic solid yourself. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, got already sharded. Shard. So it goes. Hopefully, it becomes a platonic solid. Oh man! Hey, so I think we need to make an NFT for this episode for sure. And uh, you guys listen after this interview. We're going to tell you how to get the special collectible NFT featuring Vitalik Buterin mm -hmm. and this episode. That sounds going to be awesome, Vitalik, dude. We're, we we want to welcome you to the Republic of Bad Cryptopia. Here's your honorary uh, Bad Crypto hat. Mm -hmm. And uh, thanks a lot, man. We're looking forward to seeing what you do next. Thank you. So it turns out, Mr. Travis Wright, Vitalik is one interesting cat. I mean, he, you know, apart from Satoshi Nakamoto, he's got to be the second most influential person in blockchain. Uh, you know what? Or, you know, perhaps, perhaps his dad. 
<laughs> it was interesting, you know, chatting with Vitalik and, and with his dad. I think his, his dad, super smart dude, for one, a coder on his own right, who's, I think, younger than both of us. He looked young, younger than me. I, I tell you what, really sharp dude. And then Vitalik, this guy, what a great, what a great interview. Ochen Haroshi interview you. Well, if you're going to give uh, Mr. Buterin, his father, credit, you know, for influencing his son to become this, then shouldn't we give equal credence to Mrs. Nakamoto, the mother of Satoshi? Mm-hmm. Great mother of Satoshi. Great mother of Satoshi. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe Vitalik's mom was there also. I'm not sure. I didn't meet her, so I'm not, not sure on that. But uh, what a smart guy, man. What a great – that was so awesome to be sitting there interviewing this guy. And then we have the whole thing on interview, and we got this cool blue hue light, kind of a purplish blue hue. Oh, for the video, yeah. And the video, yeah. The, now, the, the audio is not the, uh, the best on it, but I'm going to upload that to the Bad Crypto Mastermind and to our YouTube channel. So, of course, you mm-hmm. can find Bad Crypto Podcast on YouTube, also uh, on the Bad Crypto Mastermind at badco.in forward slash mastermind so check that out there and don't go away yet i want to tell you about our sponsor divi they're taking signups for their digital finance ecosystem that's going to offer crypto debit cards instant bank accounts and fiat to crypto on and off ramps right into your wallet you want to be first in line to try this trust us we're both all in on divi project and we're glad to have them as a sponsor for the show go to wallet.diviproject.org divi is spelled d-i-v-i wallet.diviproject.org get your name and email on their list to be notified so when this thing uh comes out in their mobile version that you're going to get to play So, Travis, while we were at ETH Denver on the second floor, they had many exhibitors there. We talked to a lot of them, but there was one project that instantly drew my attention. And they had a screen uh, up showing a demo of their product. It looked very TikTok-y, right? Mm -hmm. This TikTok is a major social app that has millions and millions and maybe a billion. I don't know how many people are using it now, but they use video in the social world as your content. And there was this guy there that was demonstrating an app called Peepo, P-E-P-O. And we had the opportunity to interview the co-founder, Mr. Jason Goldberg. And I want you guys to listen to this. And then since the interview, we've set up a bad crypto community and we're going to tell you about it. But uh, I want you to listen in first and see what you think about people. While you're listening, if you can download the app while you're listening, then go do that now because you're going to want to get involved. Here we go. While roaming the ETH Denver floor here in Denver, not Denith, Mr. Mike Tyson. That's true. It's not called Denise because that's where Mike Tyson liked to go get pancakes. Yeah. No, it's not Denise. Rudy's Tootie, Freshy Fruity, my favorite, Joel. <laughs> it's ETH Denver. Ran across a, uh, a merchant that had a booth here. It's called Peppo. It's an app, and it's like TikTok, but for blockchain. And we have with us right now the fa- co-founder, chief cook and bottle washer, Peppo man himself, Mr. Jason Goldberg. Thanks so much for having me. It's really, really great to meet you guys. Can yeah. okay I call you Peppo man? You can call him whatever you want as long as you call me. Peppo man. There you go. Well, <laughs> the uh, the other guy he's got, the, your co-founder, is yeah. Paul. So when yeah, I we've got him, a bunch of folks here. we got Paul, we got Ben, Simona, 
Got five people from our team here. I mean, just as a, this is some free marketing for you, okay? But I would, on your business cards, have Pepo Ben, Pepo Paul. There you go. Like, you guys just need to go ahead and own that brand. and Because it reminds me of, like, when Zappos, that's what Tony Shea did. All mm. the Zappos accounts mm-hmm. had Zappos in the name. I don't have just, a business card, though. That's the thing. It stood out. You have a you have a Twitter? I do have Twitter, yeah. yeah. But I've had the same Twitter handle since 2008. You know, I was an investor in Twitter in 2008. Why you got to be difficult? Sorry, man. Just can, you know, can you get a word to Jack on, for me? Because what are you doing? Because Jack is is making me unhappy. These is days. he? What, what's 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 Jack doing? Oh, Jack's like so. I, just yesterday, I saw a tweet on my feed from somebody I'm not following at all. I, it's the worst thing. I'm like, it happens what, to me all the time. What what's the point of this? And it was yeah. it was in a foreign language. It was totally irrelevant. Yeah. And I'm like, why am I seeing this? I'm not following yeah. this person. Yeah. They're not following me. There's no context to it. This isn't hard. These are the people I'm following. Show me their tweets. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I can't fix Twitter, but I can fix. I can do a lot of things, but I can't fix Twitter. That's good. So tell us. Tell can us. Can you about... fix stupid? Because there's yeah. a lot. Of that. <laughs> because I'm going to ask a there's question. There's a lot of stupid. You know, you know, if one thing that the uh, crypto winter taught us is ignore the noise. There's a lot of crazy out there. Uh, you know, focus on building. And community. Community is our. You know, is, is our is our secret app here. Mm, All right. And it's beautiful. It, yeah. Tell us a little bit. So we were having some some conversation before we started interviewing. So as Joel mentioned, Pepo's kind of like TikTok, right? Yeah. A bit, little bit yeah. of that vibe. Yeah. But you have a really interesting background. Like you were way back in the day working with AOL and managing yeah. the chat group. So maybe how did your journey go from there? From yeah. and you, you said you invested in Twitter, and so you've been on this messaging front yeah. for a long yeah. time. Yeah. Tell us about that evolution. I, mean, I can tell you. I mean, I look. I, I, my my first job uh, after working in government for a little bit. My first job actually was working with Bill Clinton. In the 90s then uh first I do, job i do not tech. remember working <laughs> with jason Goldberg. i did not have sex with that woman no, miss lewinsky that chat room i did not tell anyone to lie now let's get back to work focused on pepo thank you <laughs> thank you um actually i can tell you something we, we do this for a long time i was i was i worked at the white house for six years the first startup was uh clinton's campaign in 1991 i dropped out of college when i was 19 to work on his right was and it worth it it was amazing i was okay. six years spent but the, the funny thing though was there was one day in 1996 where I was doing Clinton impersonations at the White House, and I didn't realize he was behind me. All right, and he, he's like, "Jason, do it again, do it again," <laughs> literally nonstop. Now with the cigar, do like, it with the cigar. I was like, "Oh shit!" My, my, I was like, "My life, like I'm fired." Now, so in 1998, I, I went to work at AOL uh, and was product manager for community for chat rooms, and basically that's what I've been doing ever since. I mean, I started a company called Jobster, which was social recruiting in 2002. I uh, started a company called Social Median, was the first kind of social news aggregation service in 2008. Uh, that what was, was that re- called? Uh, social Median. Uh, social it was Median. it was before the, before we had apps. So we had a website that within a few months we grew to six million users. Sold the company very quickly. I started a company called Fab.com, Hem.com. This is Pepo we're doing now. Uh, so. You work you with know, these small letter, four letter. You know, I love these little small little domain names, right? It was a Fab Hem Pepo, right? How'd you get Pepo? You know, Pepo was, you know, the idea was it was all about people. People is, um, you know, wants to meet your peeps. And yeah, I, I bought the domain in. Yo, I think my it was Pepo like, peeps. 2015, I bought it. I thought it because you're yeah. like, oh, I feel sick. I need some Pepto There you go. What a great idea for but, a brand. But, but let, let, me, let me give you the whole kind of concept. So back in 2016, I was basically coming off selling a company, a sole company called Hem, and was thinking about, you know, what comes next. And what I got really excited about, what I looked at kind of, you know, crypto and uh, especially Ethereum and programmable money was the idea that basically we could create the Internet of money. Mm. That first we had the Internet of information, then we had the Internet of people. And now we could create the Internet of money. And the... The concept that I had back in 2016 was they said if we were going to enable, let's say, every Instagram like 
to be able to cap basically to have a earn actual money rather than just clout. How would you do that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so the idea was to enable influencers, content creators, to be able to you kind know, of keep what they earn, uh, you know, earn for what they create rather than giving to the platform. So that was the idea. And 2016, we you know, we got to work and started building all the technology you would need in order to do something like that. And so the company is called OST, Open Simple Token. We've been building a technology platform for four years. And we're right now the only company that is able basically to create a fully embeddable smart contract wallet in any app. Um, and that's what you see in Pepo is that there's underneath the hood of Pepo is a smart contract wallet, which enables any you basically can have multiple devices access the same funds. Uh, it enables you to have this amazing experience where every like transfers a token uh, and you don't have to have any waiting times. It's super fast. Mm-hmm. You don't need to know, even know what, you know, what gas is or anything like this. It just it just works. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was from coming back in 2016, thinking about what would it take to tokenize an app like Instagram. We kind of worked back from that into, to where we're at today with Pepo. Now, I know you mentioned TikTok, right? You know, what we looked at is that it's not about TikTok. It's about short form videos mm-hmm. where you earn more than just likes. And the videos on Pepo are more business work focused. So we purposely looked at this as like, you know, what, what LinkedIn was to Facebook is what we're trying to create to TikTok. A very work, pr- professional, kind of purposeful, short form video application. Mm. And I'll tell you, people love it. Well, like, okay. So I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. I signed up and I'm looking, you know, here's a video. I shot, The first one I shot and it's got next to it P31. Does that mean I got 31 you've likes? Earned, you've or, earned 31 cents on that. I that earned video. 31 yeah, cents. 31 Pepper coins. And each of the Pepper coins is actually worth about one and a half cents right now. Because uh, it's basically pegged to the value of the OST token, which is about 1.5 cents right now. I've already got nine supporters. There you go. I've received... 2,728 Pepo, and I see this wallet here. Now, is this a token that I can... You can cash out. I can cash it out. If you you click on this top uh, navigation here, you actually can visit the Pepo store. And the Pepo store, you can cash out for Amazon gift cards, for Uber, Starbucks, uh, one of our partner companies, BrewDog, which is one of the fastest growing craft beer companies in the world. You also can buy more Pepo coins in the app as well. Okay, but it says here... That I've got no unicorns ah, okay. right so, now. So, so if you go that? back to the app, so basically in the app, you can convert your Peppa coins to unicorns. Um, and unicorns are based, they're stable coins. And so what basically, first you convert to stable and then you cash out. Okay, so I can buy unicorns with my balance. There you go. And one unicorn is 55.05 Peppo. There you go. And since I have 3,200 Peppo, I can buy a whole stack of unicorns. Exactly. And then you can cash out your unicorns. Each, each unicorn, one unicorn to the dollar. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and, and cash out 10. I'm going to buy 10 unicorns there right now. And it's going to do my little face ID. It says, yep, that's you. And how, how fast is all this? Uh, this is, I mean, first of all, it's like a transaction uh, in the Pepo app. Just you know, if you if you send someone a token, uh, it's just less than two seconds right now for us to confirm the transaction on the blockchain. Every transaction is on chain. Other thing, just tell you, so, so we launched Pepo in beta at DevCon in Osaka. So the Ethereum conference in Osaka. What was that? Uh, is in October um, in Japan in October. And what, you know, one third of all uh uh, participants at DevCon used the app. Mm. They gave us tons of feedback, and then we basically did a relaunch of it a couple of days ago. Okay, and the usage has just taken off. It's four hundred percent increase in usage in the last the last week. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just flying. It's over half of all Eat Denver uh, participants are now on the Pepo app, creating videos here. Oh, that's great. Let me ask you this. Yeah. So, what's the best way to get, to get followers? Now, are you don't even yeah. get followers? You got to pay to support somebody to follow them, right? Exactly. So, so basically, there's two things. So, one I is I don't have any supporters. No. So, um. 
first of all, create a video, right? So if you create okay. a video, people will like your video. They'll uh, every discoverable. Is it how how exactly. are they discoverable? So Just basically, by hashtags? Uh, hashtags. There's a feed that basically we have a learning algorithm that predicts what people are going to like based on what they're watching and what they're interacting with. And so we we show you more of what you like and less of what you don't. The second is in Peppo. There's communities, and this was actually what the what the early users taught us is if you click on the search icon, you'll see that there are these communities you can subscribe to. Oh, um, and by subscribing to community, then you get a notification for every video added to that community. Uh, and this is where it's like these micro communities and kind of interactions are happening. And that's where you have uh, with, with DevCon right now, I'm sorry, with Eat Denver right now. I mean, there are over 200 videos been created by the, uh, by the Eat Denver participants in just the last 24 hours. So we can make a bad crypto community exactly. on here exactly. for uh, the citizens of the Republic of Bad Cryptopia. Yeah. And then and- every time you guys post a new video, Peppa users, they subscribe to Bad Crypto, will get a notification. Mm. How do you create a community? Yeah. Yeah. So right now it's manual. We have a, we'll send you like a link that you can do, basically fill out a tiny little form. We'll t- our team will create it for you. A tiny and about, form. And now they find it, they'll just type in Bad Crypto. Exactly. And then, exactly. And then in two, two weeks from now, you can do it yourself, but we'll get you, we'll get you guys. One, you know, yeah, yeah. So whenever this goes live, which will be in like I don't know soon, yeah. Days, so they should be able to go sure. type in bad crypto, and there'll you be the community there. It. You can go check Absolutely. it out. How many so, communities are there so far? Uh, so I think there's like 20 of them right now. Oh, nice. Yeah. So really yeah. early. Yeah. So here we go. I converted my pepos. Now I have 10 unicorns. That equals 10 dollars. And if I click on Amazon, a 10 dollar gift certificate costs me 10 unicorns. So I click request. And then you guys will, it says our team will reach out to you on the email of your Twitter account. Yeah. So you'll send me an email to say, why, why are you doing, just so you know where to send it? Just basically to make sure that the gift card gets to the right place. What we didn't want to do is have you, you know, somehow you enter in the wrong email address or something like that. Just make sure we get you the gift card. So I just cashed in for $10 for an app that I just started using yesterday. Yeah. There you go. Oh, snap. That there you go. Great. That is great. You know, earn more than likes. That's right? true. So you when know, you sign I, up, you, when they sign up, right, you get you get five hundred Peppa coins when you sign up. Right now, that's worth about seven dollars fifty cents. That's a okay. nice nice deal, that's right? Yeah. Is there is there anything that we could do for the bad crypto listeners, like to give a little extra little hookup hookup or something? Yeah, look, you know, anyone who signs up with the hashtag bad bad crypto, basically post a video with the hashtag bad crypto. We'll put them an extra five hundred Peppa coins in the next couple of weeks. Nice. Oh snap! Uh, there nice. you go. Hashtag bad yeah. crypto well, on your video. There you yeah. go. Peppo.com. Check it out, guys. We're going to be on there. Look for the bad crypto community so you can engage with Mr. Travis Wright and myself awesome thank you guys for having me right really on, appreciate man. it this is excellent what do you think about that mr joe Calm? that's pretty cool isn't it i think it's super cool and it was several weeks ago that we were at the event and started using people i'm here in san diego as we're recording this and i used it today and i've been using it and i've been earning people tokens uh, and i have use the redemption feature to redeem for $25 in amazon.com gift cards. Yes. Yeah. That's what, that's one of the things I think that this app, if done right with the right communities and the right people on there, it's a really cool way to, to, uh, to communicate. And I think it does have a lot of potential. It's really fun. It does seem to be pretty addictive to it when you're in a groove. I think it seems even more fun when you're at an event. Like when there's more people at it, there's all around you, you know, when there's something going on. So what we've kind of done is create our own event. And if you go to, whenever, if you're on Peepo and you use the hashtag bad crypto, then what that does is that adds that to the bad crypto community. And so you can go in there and see other people from the Republic of Bad Cryptopia. You know, what you can do is, is, uh, you know, do hashtag bad crypto, bad crypto, and then maybe hashtag which episode you're just listening to. And then make it make a discussion about something that you just heard on that show, and then 
Joel and I, if we hear your thing, we'll go ahead and send you some Peppa. Peepo. Well, we want to engage with you. And so, you know, the the thing about many of the social apps, you know, I can post on Instagram stories on the Bad Crypto channel as we do, and you guys can reply with a comment. Um, and we could post on Twitter and you could reply. Now, you could do a video there, but most people don't do a video reply on Twitter. But people is designed for video. So when you go on here and you see a video from one of us, then you can actually engage with that video even if it's from my account or travis's account if you use the hashtag bad crypto or stay bad as a hashtag that works too too, then you'll be in the community so here's what you do when you're in the app and i'm going to make a video of this travis and and post this here so that everybody can see this but if you go to the app on the bottom you'll see a little uh search a spyglass there and tap on that and then you'll be in the communities go to the communities and scroll down so you see the bad crypto podcast there's actually 33 members that have joined that community already and we haven't even told you guys about it so people are discovering our community on people and again when you shoot your video for it to show up in the community all you have to do is include the hashtag bad crypto or stay bad and now when you see us you can post a video back now we can have a real discussion and engage with you guys on a social app using video and that's pretty cool and you're going to earn people's while you're doing it that's right you get to earn peepos while you're doing it look at me right now i'm actually making are you doing it right now i'm doing people's can't hear you though mr joel come because you're in my ear holes people's earning people that's awesome so apparently he's making a video as we speak so you guys check it out video though so far mr joel come won't wave Oh, I'm waving. Hi. There you go. Yay, Mr. Tokamway. <laughs> We're on video here remotely <laughs> recording this while he's shooting this people. So it <laughs> might seem really confusing, but if you guys go to get the app, it's free on both uh, iOS and Play Store. And now I hear him playing it in the background. There, I muted it. I've now muted stuff. it successfully. Yeah, so come check it out. It's fun to play. There's other some fun social stuff. A lot of fun stuff in social starting to happen, Mr. Joe Com. Absolutely. Check out the latest edition of EOS Voice News. We just recorded an episode because the beta is not only live, but I've managed to get in. Travis is almost in. He's like at the door banging on, let me in. Let me I'm, in. Already, I've already lost my voice crypto. Oh, <laughs> that's what you do. <laughs> and we're going to create, we've created a video to go with the audio podcast. So if you want to see what this looks like on the inside, it's definitely got potential. I believe that the team is very serious about this. This is, you know, they've invested a lot of money in it. It's, you know, I'm not going to spoil it by telling you too much about it yet, but I will say that they have found a really interesting way to use the voice token on the platform. It's the cleverest thing that I've seen there i've not seen it done anywhere else so if you'll look in the apps uh, the podcast store for eos voice news make sure you subscribe to that go listen to it i think you guys are going to enjoy it oh and before we forget we've got a special collectible nft for you commemorating this episode i mean this is a show with vitalik in it and ethereum is what we use to create the erc20 nfts and so it's how could we do this without offering you an exclusive bad crypto collectible NFT? So here's what you need to do. You've got 72 hours from the time this episode drops to go to this URL. Have your Ethereum 
wallet address ready. It'll make it easier. Go to badco.in forward slash vit, V-I-T, badco.in forward slash vit. Put your name, email, and your Ethereum address where you store your NFTs. And then we're working with the system to try to automate this process. But for now, just fill out the form. And when we close out the offer, we will airdrop the NFTs to everybody who has filled out the form in time. You've got until this Wednesday night, which is going to be Wednesday the 11th at midnight Eastern Standard Time to fill out the form, and then it will go away forever. And by the way, we are soon going to start rewarding you for having multiple NFTs in your wallet. So you don't want to miss out of any of these. It is our proof of listening. Go to badco.in forward slash VIT and get your collectible Vitalik NFT. <laughs> Mr. Yeah, Travis I'm, Wright is still I'm, peepoing. I'm still peepoing. So I'm going to finish the show while he peepos, and Peepo we'll get you guys you on the next episode. Until then, stay peepo. Stay bad and, and bad while you work. <laughs>The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto, LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.